Another week, another movie. You're not Hello. talking to me tonight. Oh, oh I great. <laughs> I just lost the ability to hear you. Oh, goodness. That's what I did. <laughs> now I can't hear out? anything. You can't hear anything. The audio just disappeared. Let's try to fix this live on the show. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, I can you hear you. You can hear me. Well, that's nice. Yes. Let's see. I'm, Let's I'm see not... if I hit that. <laughs> can you, you go to audio? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, that's all supposed to be working. Should I make noises? Yeah. Let's um, see if I uh let's see if I do this. This is fun. I'm glad we're doing this now. <laughs> right oh, here. Wow. Why don't you entertain people while I <clears throat> attempt to fix this? Well, um, I would, but you keep Literally talking. Literally just heard you and it went off. <laughs> okay. Great. Why don't you go away? Great. Why don't you, you um let's see if this works? Away. Oh, Go away. And now and I'm going to see if these speakers work. <laughs> and if they don't, we're in a lot of trouble. Because we were going to talk about a movie, but we're not We're not doing that. No, but I, I would try to oh, entertain. Good Lord. He's just babbling. He's babbling now, and I, I can't no. say anything entertaining because he keeps no. talking about how he can't uh, hear me. No, um, it's complete. Uh, I wonder it's wonderful. Um, this is a bit of a system failure we're having over here. Uh, go, you go away, go away, come back, sign back in. Yeah, we're gonna try that. I'll go away. I did some sign language. I'm gonna For go away now. On, on the uh, uh, listening on the podcast, I did some sign language telling uh, Anthony to go away and come back. Uh, sign out and sign back in and let's see if that uh if that solves his little uh technical problem we were talking in the pre-show just fine um or or not talking we were mumbling at each other because we um we get together before the show to make sure everything's working right but then we don't talk it's a very odd time because we want to have all our talking uh be about the uh about the show um, and yes, maybe Susie suggested going away. There, there she is saying, maybe go away. And uh, yeah, he did. He went away, but now he's not coming back. So he's leaving. Oh, he's coming back. I'm adding him to the stream. And can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, life is wonderful. I am so sorry. It's That's been okay. like this all week. Uh, it happens to be Mercury retrograde right now. I don't know if anybody is interested in that kind of thing but if you work in computers or editing or it, it just never it, it just never doesn't happen it never doesn't happen it never or, doesn't or it always happens either either one i think it more to say it never doesn't happen <laughs> it never <laughs> doesn't happen okay i'll go with so, that it's been non-stop technical problems uh for a few days apologies that's okay. I had a technical problem yesterday. Um, I I got notified by my bank that apparently I had tried to buy about $500 worth of donuts in the state of Virginia. Hmm. And they thought that was odd. Mm -hmm. um, well, if they knew you, they knew it wouldn't be that odd. <laughs> not that odd. So they they stopped the transactions, mm -hmm. and then, but then they had to cancel my card and oh. issue me a new one. So I'm I'm on the corner with a tin cup now, trying to get money to eat 
to because I can't access money. No, that's not true. You you can you can go to the bank and get money. Um, if you can prove who you are, but um, you're probably persona non grata getting donuts for a while. I wouldn't I'm love not getting any donuts for a while. Um, but se- speaking of food, donuts are are a kind of food. A segue into something. You know, I've just moved into this new apartment, and I haven't done a major shop yet, right? So I don't have an unbelievably stocked pantry, right? Um, and uh, I was trying to. Uh, I, I was hungry the other night. I wanted to go out. I mean, I wanted I wanted to make myself something to eat. I didn't want to go out, and I was sort of looking around at what was in the the dribs and drabs and flotsam and jetsam that are in the cupboards. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had an idea of making something, and then I got scared, so I didn't make it. But I, I had some, <laughs> yeah, I had some ramen. Okay, right, and some pretty good ramen from from a. a, a sort of a higher end Japanese store that had some pretty good instant ramen, not, not the, not the, you know, 32 cents for 40 packets, uh, ramen. Um, right. I thought I wanted to add something to, to make it a little more interesting. And there was a can of smoked mussels. And I looked at on recipes and I said, well, there, there is, there are seafood ramen. you know, there's ramen with shrimp and, all kinds of stuff in it. And I thought, I wonder, and I almost, and then I chickened out. I got scared. Mm. But so, but then I thought I'd run it by you. What would you think of making the ramen and adding the can of smoked mussels to it? I mean, mussels are seafood like shrimp you get in raw. They have udon and stuff with all seafood in it. Right. I think I think you should give it a try. And the smoked Part would be a little extra umami in there. I mean, how, it won't kill me, right? Uh, it might. Uh, smoked mussels, if they go bad, would kill you pretty no, quickly. These are, these are new smoked mussels, a new can of smoked mussels. So uh, you're probably okay. You're probably okay. It's My like, concern that is that they will disintegrate into the soup, which might not be bad, but it, but they probably wouldn't in a hot bowl of ramen i bet you the smoked oysters are they're more spreadable almost like right they're they're not you know they don't really hold up to a lot of they're not going to be like a a fresh oyster in an oyster stew at the at the uh the oyster bar that you and i used to get they will already have given up their life (laughs) (laughs) they're not still alive when they get smoked I don't know, but they're not. By the time that process is done, they're they're uh... interesting bit of information, though. You know, when you eat fresh oysters, they are still alive when you eat them. Did you know that? Yeah, I didn't know that for a long time, and when I found it it out, it gave me pause for a few seconds, and mm-hmm. then I decided and you no, stopped, I and then you moved on. Somebody. Yeah, then you moved right on. Moved right on. I have so, a problem. No, I don't. I can't. I can. I can totally do it. That's what it was like. Yeah. That's what it was like. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a bit alarming, I guess. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't like that scene in old boy where he eats the live octopus. I can't take that. And, and I kind of think there might be a difference there in terms of consciousness level, but, uh, you know, it's still kind of creepy. I'm going to go out on a limb and say there is a, a different level of consciousness between an oyster and an octopus. 
I think an oyster is closer to a, a, a block broccoli floret. Well, what you think as a biologist is of crucial import to this, <laughs> yes. to this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like people are saying now about the, the vaccine, you know, I want to do my own research. Yeah. I'm going to do my own research. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, what, um, what, uh, oh, here's uh, Bet Bowles is chiming in and saying, now that the Arkans don't talk about food anymore, <laughs> this makes me think there needs to be an episode of a Food Network show. Well, it could be, it, I would do a Food Network show in a New York Minute. That would be a fun show to do. Um, and I anybody, think a New York Minute at about, is about as long as anybody would watch a food show that I did. These days, a New York Minute stretches on for hours. <laughs> Yes, that's true. <laughs> They're very long, but that, that's you know that's that's a good idea, Bet. I, I think uh, we should consider pitching this to the Food Network shows and bringing back some food into the show. I into like the, the fact. I mean, I, I, you know, we used to talk about food on the show, and yeah, then uh, it used to be called the Arkin Brothers Talk About Food and Movies. Mm -hmm. um, but we saw a steep decline in in uh, you know audience interest whenever we talked about food but maybe that's because we're on the wrong network you know? maybe it's because uh we don't know enough about food to really talk about it that's true we just could talk um, that's just like talking about what i like but that's not really you know an interest to other people like. right yeah. it doesn't matter you are the arbiter of taste of of you know in my house yeah. Well, no, because I'm I mean Amelia's here, so I'm not really the arbiter of any anything. Um I'll tell you though, I know a good I know a good Richard Burton movie when I see one. You do? I think I do. I think you do too. Well, I guess we better talk about it. But actually, before we get to the movie, I want to thank you for something. Oh. I want to thank you for writers of justice. Oh, nice. So yeah. You've, you caught up with that, huh? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Just spectacular. So unique. So unique. And I'm, I am not an aficionado of Swedish movies. Or movies I, from Belgium or, or Norway. <laughs> anywhere other than, yeah, just base Hollywood fair. Um, but uh, the, uh, a couple of Swedish movies I've seen that I've loved, like the 100 year old man who climbed out the window and disappeared. Okay. Great movie. Yeah. Is the, I don't know. Is the, I didn't know if this was actually technically a Swedish movie or not. I had to come to think of it. I believe uh, it is. Is it? Okay. Um, but just spectacular and so unique. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I thought you'd like it. The characters, I mean, really everybody in it is so good. And and you um, couldn't make this movie in America because they would say, well, what is it? It's two different things and you can't do two. You can only do one thing. Yeah. And which is bullshit, frankly. Well, yeah. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll give awards to foreign movies that do that here. Right. But we won't make them. We won't yeah. allow it to happen here. Yeah. Um, it so reminded me a little bit of like Bong Joon-ho's kind of thing where he he really and like i guess some korean other korean films kind of tend to mix all these different flavors together where it's like comedy and tragedy right up against each other and then some slapstick and then yep. you know it's 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 such a it's such a cool refreshing thing when people have the courage to do it yeah so all of you listening out there check it out 
all seven and a half of you. That being said, for anybody who is planning to check it out, it's a pretty spicy movie. There's a lot of triggering things in it. I think yeah. everybody should be a little prepared that if uh, they're easily triggered by, you know, issues of mental health or um, certain or abuse, um, tread with care because there's some heavy stuff in it. But it's uh, or it's, triggers if you're triggered by triggers because there are triggers, a lot of triggers in the movie that get pulled and people get shot a lot. There, it's a violent. It's very violent. And also very funny yeah. and very disturbing and very heartwarming and a lot of weird combinations. Weird things. combinations. So that's but if you are a Mads Mikkelsen fan, this is this is one of the more interesting movies he's done in a bit. I'm Mads about the boy. Mad, me too. There you go. Mm -hmm. I did it. Well, that's been the Arkin Brothers talk about Mads Mikkelsen. And now we're moving on to the spy who came down with a cold. No, sorry, that's a different. That was a different movie. Apropos, though, he looked like he had a cold through the entire film. He did look like he had a cold. Okay, so you want to set up what it is, because uh, you're a spy master. I'm a spy master. Great. Now you've outed me of and, the two and, of us. And, and oh, okay. Um, yes. Uh, um. Uh. <laughs> I just, mm, did I, I surprise you? A a, 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 a a tragic ischemic attack. There. Oh dear! Should um, I call somebody? Are you? No, I'm, I'm are you okay. okay. Richard Burton. Richard, Richard Burton. Burton. Mm -hmm. um, Richard Burton is Alex Lemus, a uh, <clears throat> head of station in in West Berlin. Uh, Shortly after the wall went up, the movie takes place in 1965. Uh, John Le Carre wrote it in, uh, he was actually stationed in Berlin when the wall was going up. And that's when he wrote this movie, or he wrote the book upon which the movie is based. And the movie rights sold before the book was even published. Um, and... Uh, and uh, the movie is about this uh, head of station, Alex Lemus, who uh, is at the beginning of the movie is waiting at Checkpoint Charlie for an agent to get across in disguise, pretending to be a workman coming across. Uh, the agent doesn't make it. He's shot right as he's crossing through no man's land at Checkpoint Charlie. Checkpoint Charlie. And Lemus is recalled to London by control and you you think he's going to be demoted and retired but what actually happens is they want him to appear to be sacked by the service at which point he'll go on a drunk and then can perhaps defect to be, be picked up by the the east germans as somebody who would be ripe for defection and uh it works and he defects and uh double agent hijinks ensue yes i think i i only the only thing i would contest is the hijinks this yeah, is no, probably the this is probably the least hijinksy movie i've i've ever seen in my life yeah no hijinks at all anybody um, who you know hasn't seen it yet we're going to spoil parts of it but we're going to spoil all of it. Be prepared for 
extremely grim, dark, and nihilistic portrait of life as a spy. Yeah. As opposed to the happy-go-lucky life of a spy that we see in most movies. Comparatively, even by today's standards, this this is like, this makes most spy movies look like it's a romper room. Yeah. Um, But I actually think probably a lot more what it was really like oh oh yeah for sure oh i would i would completely concur with that yeah i mean i'm i I, i'm not a spy speaking as as two new york swear to god i'm not i listen new york kids i'm not i tell you if i was not (laughs) but if i was new york kids who know nothing about it think that this is a very authentic portrayal of the life of a spy well i mean What's interesting is you have two X uh MI6 uh uh operatives who became writers of spy literature very famously. One is Lacar. I always heard Lacare, but you Lacare, Lacar, yeah. Um and and then you got uh, you know, the guy who wrote Bond. Yeah. And one of them's lying. One of them is not making an accurate portrayal, I believe, of the spy trade. Um, no, it seems, you know, I mean, part, you know, p- partly you're convinced that it's this way because it is just so damn boring and bleak. Like, you're like, if, you know, if the real thing were more exciting, they'd probably put it in this movie. Right. You know, I mean, it's not it's not really exciting. It's it's nerve wracking and and makes you really uncomfortable and it's scary, but it's not exciting. Yeah. Um, had you seen it before? I had not seen it before. Oh, uh, and it's one of the 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 John le Carre books that I haven't read. Also, I've read almost all of his. Stuff. Yeah. Was this his first novel? No, he had two before that that were not strictly spy novels, though. One is called A Murder of Quality, and I forget what... He wrote Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, different genre. James and the Giant Peach Mm -hmm. and um, the the big, big friendly giant. Yeah. (laughs) I always, whenever I saw that poster, I was like, the, the big freaking giant what oh <laughs> sorry yeah um uh some great stuff though um where, where, what angle do you want to go after first in this movie um what angle do i want to go i think that i mean i don't know i i, I t- this is a great movie i think the angle is this is a really this is a classic for a really good reason i think this is exceptionally good movie across the board i think it's i think it's stunning to look at like the photography is incredible the black and white the realism of this kind of black and white grim eastern block place is just so well done and um i think there's really cool performances in it i i i and i think centrally richard burton just kills it he kills it and he's He's an actor. I, 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 he's fun watching, but I haven't, I mean, I, I never was like, Oh, this guy is amazing before. And I thought this he performance was completely was... believable as a, as a bitter drunken man. 
yes do you yeah he, he was that's true um and apparently on set this was not an uneasy shoot that well, was, i heard he and uh and the director and martin ritt really fought a lot uh about a lot uh, about liz taylor hanging around on the liz set all the taylor time. hanging around there was a lot of drunken fighting going on <clears throat> um he and claire bloom had been an item back in the 50s she apparently was a complete lady about everything and basically retired to her trailer and stayed out of it. You yeah, know, kept but not only not only were they together, but they worked together as well, yes. famously. And this, uh, no, and um, what was it? Angry Young Man play. Uh, not this sporting life. Help me, Rhonda. Um, look, was it Look Back in Anger? No. No, look how angry I am. I think that was what it was called. <laughs> look at what an angry young man I am. Yeah. Look how white and angry I am. Something by John Osborne. I don't know. What, yeah, what, something like what, that. What, yeah. Um, but anyway, they'd done this other movie together and apparently had a, a lot of fireworks. And this didn't go so great. But Martin Ritten knew that. The director of Spy Who Came In From The Cold knew that they had had this thing and did this on purpose. Yeah. Apparently, Le Carre was disappointed in the casting of of uh, Claire Bloom at first. He thought she was a good actor, but but was he upset. He wanted that... Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm. Is what it was. But did okay. But who did he <laughs> want to cast in the in the film? I'm not sure. Okay. Um, so... so you're saying it wasn't Michelle Pfeiffer? <clears throat> you're, you're throwing down fairly certain, and it wasn't. Okay. I do remember actually reading that he was upset that they, the studio didn't hire a Jewish actress to play that part because it was the part was uh, the, the, the character was a Jewish woman. Yep. And Lacare was apparently a bit upset about that. Um, I did love the uh, how brazen she is and that they do uh, inviting him over that that whole thing of her inviting him over and and really making all of the moves which was but but that they didn't explain the whole communist angle of that until later yeah i i, th I thought they did a great job uh with, okay i have a question for you yeah Be because i was kind of able to follow this plot i have to assume that this is not the most complicated this is like easy peasy for for you right it's a little maybe not quite enough going on for you but for no, me i was I, just I barely it. able to keep up with it which i thought was like i was proud of myself but then i instantly went but it can't be that complicated because i'm kind of understanding <laughs> yeah okay would you have questions you want to know what happened like what happened or you know what happened no i i think i, I was a <clears throat> i figured it i was able to figure out what i didn't know by uh, reading some literature last yeah. night after the movie, they no, used, I, they used him. Yeah, no, I <laughs> I I got it. I saw it, but like, my point is, uh, were you were you pleased by the espionage level in this story? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Because I did not see, I did not see it coming un until it happened, and then as it was happening, I went. Oh God, Munt right. really is their man, and this whole thing has been done 
to to give him his bon, bona fides. Um, and and uh, and and they're using. Did you? I don't know if you can say that on that. on YouTube, Frank. Actually, <laughs> just wanna bona fides. Okay, it's bona fides. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of those words that nobody knows how to pronounce correctly, and no. everybody pronounces it differently, and you just have to pretend. No, this is how you pronounce it. Well, bonafide. you should see how how John Lacorne pronounces it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It, it it's double cross on double cross on double cross and and masterfully handled. Right. So the, um, so let me just make clear. Okay, so the the point that the, the, what they're after was to solidify uh uh Mund right in his position right as a compromised agent of the British. I mean, he's he's a he's compromised German agent. In other words, he's working right. for the British, entrenched in there. Right. And this what is, they do this. is they set up suspicion of him, and then send their own guy over there to frame him. And unbeknownst to their own guy, they they betray their own guy, Lemus. So right. Lemus's attempt on. So that the whole attempt to expose Munt as a British agent goes horribly awry, and the Germans think, "Oh my God, he really isn't a a British agent. He he is a loyal German." No. And many innocent people go to their deaths in order to to solidify the reputation of this double agent. I had a question about it. Uh, I guess do you is there do you feel like uh, Lemus, uh, Richard Burton's character, is literally just <clears throat> sadly a disposable element that they needed, or is he chosen kind of because they want to get rid of him too? I think he's chosen because has he gotten a little drunk and out of hand, and they kind of need him gone, right? He's one, yeah. And and if if he survives, great. And if he doesn't, no great loss. Okay. Um, and and because because she is disposable. Claire sure. Bloom is clearly disposable. They their own the the British the the British government's own guy in in Germany kills her. And and is going to let Lemus escape. And that way, it will really look like it was a it was a val a real escape, because why would you know she get killed if it wasn't a real escape? And then he's so distressed that he just gives up. Happy happy times. Happy yeah happy really ending. delightful movie in in all respects. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really chilling and and spooky and gives you just like it's it's like the anti recruit it's an anti recruiting movie for for you know for any spycraft agency it really is like I I don't I can't imagine anybody but you know someone really uh, into self punishment would want to get into this world after seeing this movie no. it, it's it's just so grim. One of the um, things I loved was the 
the way they they paint sort of a different portrait of the East German way of doing things and the allied British way of doing things that makes the British and the allies look better than the Germans. And then at the end, you realize they are not like they do this thing. When he gets over to Germany, when Lemus gets over to Germany, he's handled by a couple of different people and each person he's handled, handled by when they bring him to the next person, that first person who has him is just summarily dismissed as your job is done. You're useless. Get the hell out of the room. Right. Um, uh, Sam Wanamaker being the first one. Right, right. Interesting, interesting fact about Sam Wanamaker is that um, if actually there's one, I don't mean to interrupt, but there's even one before that. There's another guy that gets dismissed. Who is it? The guy who first brings him in when he meets when he comes who's watching him at the prison, they go to the nightclub, and then that guy gets sent. Oh, that off. guy, right? Gets like, yeah, Sam Wanamaker gets rid of him. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell? Yeah, get, yeah. Um, not Sam Wanamaker. The he, everybody gets just dismissed rudely. Um, but Sam Wanamaker, interesting fact about him is that he, if he was still around, you know, he would have had to change his name. Um, because of the the Me Too movement, he would have had to change his name to Wanna Ask Her. Um, yeah, you may yeah. have to change your name just for saying telling that joke. I don't know. Oh, come on, that's a pretty good. <laughs> that's a pretty good joke, right? That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm. The I don't know. Doesn't uh, it's not not good. Um, it's uh, it's it could lead to misunderstandings. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, uh, but then, so, but, and then on the British side, it seems so there's this veneer of politeness with the tea and all of the, oh, do you want some boot, you know, but, but it's all a veneer because he's completely disposable and they'll kill, they'll kill poor Claire Bloom, whose only crime is being unbelievably naive. Uh, yeah, yeah. And going full communism instead of socialism. That was a bit of a mistake. That was a bit of a bad move. Yeah, but, you know, uh, our grandparents, you know, would have, you know, Grandma B. It could have been but, Grandma B over there. Uh, I think by the late 60s, it was starting to wear off. <laughs> For Grandma B? <laughs> I think so. Anyway, look. <laughs> the point being... Does this make you want to be a communist or not? This look, this makes making a comp being a communist in communist Russia look like more fun than being a spy for the British government. That's the deep irony of this. Yeah. Not both, a, not both a, Oscar Werner and uh, Madman Munt have a, have it much better than Richard Burton ever has in this movie. Yeah. They have that nice castle. They live in a castle. They have coffee breaks. They go for walks. Yeah. He he has to, you know, look for work in a library until he beats up a, a grocer. Now, I have a question. Speaking of that. Yeah. Great scene. I love the interaction between him and the grocer. He keeps yeah. on going in drunk and asking for, you know, putting on his tab. And 
So the thing that puts him in jail for a couple of days, you know, or a week or however long he's in there, uh, is punching this guy in the face. Right. He punches this guy out. Now, I know he is trying to create a persona because he's underground. He's he's in the cold. He's in, he's, yeah, he's on the works. So he's yeah. creating a new character to play and he's, he's playing this a guy. A brief as they were. Yeah. His cover is he's a even more drunk person than he actually is. <laughs> yes. Who's down on his luck, war veteran, uh bitter guy who can't get any work and like basically would live in a flop house if he didn't have a go to get a job at a library. Right. Now why does what are they are are we to understand that they what's the going to jail have to do with anything? Does he do that because he's crazy or because that's somehow that going to jail would get him noticed or or somehow fingered I, by the communists? I think the implication is that he lost his shit and beat the crap out of the guy. And when I don't think he would that they would because because control says to him, wow, you know, br brilliant touch beating the crap out of the guy. We that, that's all we good. And well, my point is, my point, my point is, did he have, did he have to find a way of going to spend a couple of nights in jail? Was that I did I miss something? Or, or no, or, I don't okay. think he did. I think he just had to be Mister Down on his luck and hanging out with the communist woman, right? Okay, and and maybe go to some meetings with her or I, something, right? I got. But he doesn't. Him. He loses his crap and beats the beats the hell out of the guy because he's miserable and, and a little crazy and and control takes it as wow that was a really brilliant you know piece of work you did there why i got confused i think is because we realize he's being followed by the by the communist handlers who are trying to when get him right when he gets out of the he literally leaves prison and they're waiting outside looking at him leave prison and i thought I thought there was a connection to him having to been in the pen and getting noticed that I missed somehow that he had no, to do that. I don't that. think you missed anything. I think it was just, it was. He's crazy. Part of his anyone... downfall, part okay. of him being bad, uh, be, being down on his luck. And he took it further than he had to. Interesting fact, the grocer. Do you know who that actor is? Yeah, he played M in many Bond movies. In the Bond movies. He'd been M in three Bond movies by the time this was made. Yeah. I fantastic. think that's fantastic. Bernard Lee. Really that's, great. That's the kind of thing that makes me feel like this movie is authentic. Because that kind of inside joke yeah. would only be played by people who knew kind of, I think, what the real stuff was like. Yeah. It's like, and the and the British saying, you know, this is how it's really done. Um, do you have a um a favorite part of the movie or a favorite element or a favorite thing um, that happens? Or there are a couple of things. the 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 detail of when control when he first comes to control when he's first recalled from the scene of him and control, um is a master class in my mind of a lot of different elements of filmmaking in terms of the writing, the detail of the tea not being hot enough and the way that is handled that the new secretary doesn't 
make the tea hot enough and the way the way control deals with the pot um they the and interesting that he doesn't tell her that she made a mistake no he tells he files he tells that information him. away the moments where control is standing and lemus is sitting the 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 power the way the power relationship is is shown cinematically um they cross the 180 in a really interesting way in it uh they i mean they don't break the 180 but they cross it in a shot to change again to change the power relationship between the two men during the conversation um i i just think that's i could watch that scene a hundred times um and the cinematographer in this, uh, uh, Oswald Morris, Ozzy Morris, who I don't know if you remember, but we had the privilege of meeting him. Do you remember? You, you, who are you asking right now? Are you actually I'm think at, that I don't know who Ozzy Morris is or that I, know that that I met you, him? I know you know. <laughs> right, what are you, are you, you called me two uh, days ago to I'm ask me a much harder question than that. So don't. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, no, so, uh, I, yeah, Ozzy Morris is one of the great British GPs of all time. And, right, and shot 7% Solution, which is another beautifully shot movie. Yes, and, um, and uh, you know, Lolita and, uh, and other classic. Oh, well, music. Lolita, you know. Um, and... Um, so that that that's one of my. I also love how they they cut to um, right after the scene where he's given his new assignment by um, by control. They cut to another scene with him, and the only way they tell us that any time has passed is the growth of his beard. Mm. And I I love that. I love that they don't give us any what what Dad calls shoe leather, right? They, they don't stick any establishing shots in there to tell us that time has passed other than the fact that he now has like four days growth of beard. Mm -hmm. So we, we have to be intelligent yeah. movie watchers. Um, and then a very silly thing that I loved, and this is, I'm embarrassed to say it, but in the, in the grocery store, in, in Bernard Lee's shop, the fact that we see the all brand, the Vim, the Sugar Smacks, the Mazzola, the Cross and Blackwell pickles, we see all of that. And they're they're all brands that are they're still around now, but it, but even it, which which shows how commonplace and pedestrian they you know they were and this setting was. You know, it's just it, just your tiny little corner grocery store. He's down on his luck. It's it's the brand that are not fancy in any way there. I'm wondering if that was a reaction to um, the Ipcrest file at all. Did they use Mozzarella oil in the Ipcrest file? No, uh, that that character and that in that movie is a very sophisticated gourmand he's a he's a gourmet and, oh. and knows everything about food and um i wonder if the look i wonder if this was a bit of like Carre saying like yeah no it's no it's can it's like canned fish all day <laughs> yeah yeah it's crap we eat crap 
Interesting. Yeah, well, I I agree with you. I think that that's my you know that that those scenes with Cyril Cusack are are my favorite. I think that's just genius level work across the board. And Cyril Cusack is my is my favorite thing in it. I just I, I mean he's just incredible. He's so terrifying. You know, he's absolutely terrifying, and and is the sweetest kind of like gentlest gentleman kind of character on the surface. Yeah. What he's saying is so dark and awful, and the power this man has is just beyond all conception. Uh, and it's also this weird, like, I kind of found that that's what made the movie work on a whole other level of kind of weird metaphor of, you know, I mean, he was like the, this godlike person who who actually gives him a new life is able to bestow a completely new identity, new life on, on a person and send them off to do his bidding. And I don't know, it seemed like the filmmakers knew that kind of, were really playing up that terrifying kind of mythic quality of this character, the power that he had over everybody's lives. And Cyril Cusack felt like he was always there all through, even when he wasn't in and he was not in a lot of scenes, but, in the same way that George Smiley's character keeps popping up without seeing his face. You just see the back of his head or his yeah. arm. Yeah. Which I loved. Um, in a similar way, you just have this sense of Cyril Cusack being this kind of like the eye of Sauron overlooking all of this. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, it's, I mean, there's great performances throughout, uh, Oscar Werner really got to me too. I thought he did a terrific job. Didn't I'm not used to seeing him playing like characters like that so much, but um he's usually a lot more just kind of scrubbed blonde German guy, but this was uh this was great. There were things I didn't know how they did too in in a uh, uh, there were shots on the street in London that didn't look like they were extra. I, I, that didn't look like they were controlled. You know, they were long. They probably, they probably weren't. Just incredible shots. There of was the shot of, of her getting onto the bus, which is one of the coolest shots I've seen in a movie since we started talking about them. It's a 360 shot that follows her walking down the street. It's in the bus, but you don't know it at first. And that does a 360 it follows her in the bus. And then you see, it's just crazy what right. they do. And then the bus pulls away and you see the fellow who was following. Yeah. Her. Yeah. It, it's that's an amazing shot. There's another shot that is, and I, I wish to God I was there on set to find out if this was designed or just something that happened. There's a a scene, um the scene between Lemus and and um and Claire Bloom right before they kiss for the first time. And she's wearing a necklace. And, yeah, I noticed this. The matching. And, and 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 the necklace gets sort of hung up to one side of one of her like it, it's hung up on the to the side of one of her breasts. Like it's knocked to the side. And 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 it reminded me of the, the scene that everybody makes fun of in in Valley of the Valley of the Dolls, where where um, Patty Duke is doing the dance with the necklace, and the necklace is going side to side, and it gets stuck at one point. Um, 
So it, it gets stuck off to the side and you're thinking, well, they'd probably do another take, you know, because her necklace should be just hanging down. And then the, the camera dollies in a little bit, preparing for their kiss. And Richard Burton, out of frame, you don't see it, but you know what he's doing because it's just out of frame. He reaches down and moves her necklace back so it's centered. And you don't you don't see it because it's just out of frame. It's but that's clearly what he's doing. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's it's it was such a it's it was so specific. I thought that it could have been that they were shooting with two cameras. I mean, it, it's it's possible that that was a two camera shoot. I don't know why they'd have done it as a two camera because it wasn't a well. No, it was a it's a big moment between them. I thought it was a dolly in. Was it a separate shot? Was it a cut? between the two moments that's what made it so cool to me was that it's they cut to him adjusting it oh. and then they cut back to the wide and she's it's and it's he's it's in position so just amazing either the move was thought of and choreographed in this incredibly specific little weird thing or they had two cameras and it was just that take you know where and it's such an unbelievably intimate thing to do to a woman who you haven't yet kissed like like you would never reach out and and touch a woman that way i guess it, it i guess it helped to solidify with. i guess it helped to solidify some kind of enough you know, trust between them or a bond yeah. or a sense that you know um there really was something kind of there because he treats her pretty pretty poorly through, through it i mean he's not awful to her but he's very just kind of disrespectful and drunk a lot with her and kind of offhand. And he really criticizes her political point of view and he's kind of patronizing, but you find out later that he actually does either really care about her or comes to really care about her somehow. And maybe that moment just helps to, you know, solidify some kind of trust between them, which you wouldn't necessarily know. Yeah. Um, there are, I mean, other than the eyeliner, other than Richard Burton's eyeliner, is there anything else about his work that you'd like to talk about? <laughs> he doesn't care. He's full on like, no, I look better this way. I look better me, with me, eyeliner. Me and Keith Richards are going to do this and you can't stop us. He, um, his voice is just that that voice and that yeah. accent it's one of the great voices ever i mean it truly is yeah. you grew up speaking welsh you're probably just going to sound cool no matter what no but, matter what no matter what you but do. drinking that much will make your voice sound like velvet i'm working on it yeah yeah well he uh you know i don't i don't mean to cast aspersions on people that drink or certainly have a drinking problem god knows i've uh i've i've had many too many drinks in my time and i know that can be problematic but yeah this this gentleman was known in a in a world of uh heavy drinking english actors or you know uh uh uk actors he he was kind of king of king of the drinking apparently i'd like to i would have liked to have seen a night of uh richard burton um richard burton richard harris peter o'toole and uh oliver 
Oliver Reed. Oliver Reed. Albert 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 Finney, Albert Finney. I, I'm sure could have that joined would, in. That would be a good. Yeah. You know, like they have that play about like the night that 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 Elvis and Johnny Cash and somebody else all mm. ended up at some roadside bar and right? Isn't there some play about like the night those three guys? Sounds like a play that play? Yeah. I didn't see. Yeah. Um, uh, they should there should be a thing about like some night that the five of them ended up stationed somewhere by accident. And we could call it the hand of the hot bananas. The know? hand of the hot bananas is perfect. That is a great one X play title. <laughs> Referencing, of course, the time where um, the late Oliver Reed terrorized Matthew and I at breakfast at a hotel one morning. <laughs> yes. Um, good, um, good times. Good. Times. I think that this movie is pretty flawless. I, I There is one notable exception to me. Okay. Does it involve a steering wheel? Oh well, no. I you're talking about bad process shots and stuff. No, not a bad process shot. I think I, I believe there's a moment in in Germany where they're driving a car where the steering wheel is on the English side, and I'm pretty sure the the steering wheels were on the the. I think England and Australia are the only places where they have the steering wheel on the right. wrong side. Yeah, I didn't. Could I, be wrong. Good, good eyes. Did, I didn't know. I, I you know, that I, I'm not talking about, though, mistake. Like anybody can have a continuity error or a mistake in a movie. I mean, I bet there's probably one in your movie. Yeah, there's certainly one in mine. My I'm movie? talking about, My movie hasn't I'm talking been made about yet, so there I'm, are no mistakes in it. I'm it's not talking right about now. a mistake like an accident. I'm talking about something they shouldn't have done, like a mistake, oh. like that kind of mistake. Uh, killed the Jew. That line when they say "kill the Jew," I did well, well. I didn't when they said it. I didn't think I was supposed to think that the filmmakers were agreeing with that oh, sentiment. Okay. Yes, so no. no, I. I mean, I think they. You know, nobody likes hearing that. Oh, that's well, not no, true. That's people, actually not there true. There are people who like hearing that. Tony, that's, no, I'm sorry, I misspoke. <laughs> I was an idiot for a minute, and I misspoke. <laughs> Um, no, I'm talking about the strange just need to have like a scene at the strip club where it starts on a woman's oh, yeah. bosom and is this very complicated rack shot. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to say that, but like this <laughs> rack focus shot of, um, of, uh, you know, this sexy dancing at the club. And I was, I was like, this, this is a different movie. You don't need to, you don't need to do this shot here. Yeah, it um, was also just kind of awkwardly hand. Like the whole thing was kind of awkward. It, like, it was it, awkwardly handled, and I'm wondering if it had something to do with the fact. Was it? Except if it if it did have to do with this, they didn't make it clear that the character who brings him there later is referred to as gay. In a in a disparaging way. It doesn't matter. It, and I'm it, wondering I, the, if the, it was like to make that character uncomfortable. I th I'm, that's not my point. My point isn't that the scene takes place in a in a strip club. It's that the scene starts with a with a very contrived shot, unlike any other shot really in the movie, of a, of a close up on a woman's 
bust. And you thought and, that that would have been more appropriate if it was Sid Charisse in the silencers in the, the, the draft. Well, if Sid Charisse is, if she's in it, it might have been appropriate. I don't know. No, I was just referencing the horrible dress and moment for Sid Charisse in the silence. Oh, God. Yeah, that was sad. This, no, I don't feel like I'm getting any traction on this joke slant avenue I'm going on with no, you. No, I, so I, I'm going to drop it. No, I get, I get what another, you're doing. I don't, I don't understand what it was doing in the movie either. It's odd. It's just like the, someone was like, I got a great idea. Let's shoot this woman's bosom and then we'll do the scene. And they were, Martin Ritt was like busy. He was doing something. He was trying to put out a like a break up a fight with Richard Burton, and he didn't know what they were doing. And they got to the dailies, and he's like, "Why did you? Why did you have this shot in the movie? That's not what the scene's about." Maybe somebody at the studio was saying they have bosoms yeah. in the James Bond movies, and they yeah. do very well. That's what so I'm saying. I feel like there was some bosom in this movie. That's what I feel like was going on. I feel like this was a this good moment. From uh, from the studio. Speaking of moments from the studio, there was a moment from the studio in last week's movie that that I that I neglected to mention. Do you remember towards the end of the Russia House where, you know, you know, you've had that moment tonight where you're saying, "Did I follow the plot correctly? Yeah. Did I get the?" Do you remember the the moment in the Russia House where they go back into a whole narration of? And then I realized that I had to, I had to arrange a defection, and I spoke to my friend, and they yes. sort of re, they re-show us all of the scenes we've already seen, mm -hmm. but explaining what was really going on in them yes. as if we were idiots and wouldn't have been yeah. able to follow. I it. do remember, and and I and I'm dead certain that somebody at the studio said, "Wait a minute, there's going to be people in the audience who don't know what's going on." So we have to see these scenes a second time with voiceover. That's true too. I think a similar decision was, look, it's we're about 40 minutes into this movie. We happen to know that every guy is going to be walking out. It's about seduction. Okay, very valid. It. Totally valid. That's, That's a, a great good, point. Great point. And man. now I think I completely agree that setting it in a strip club uh is a perfect idea i just think that the shots the only stupid shot and i just don't like the way they actually filmed it i thought it was um uh well i'm not i, I try not to look that hard at strippers frankly so <laughs> sorry i won't be doing that but um no but i i that's a really interesting point i didn't get it and i'm wondering if sort of the seediness of it too of the seduction was part of what they were I think that's totally great. I, I think that's a great reason, totally valid to, to for the for the location to be there and for those 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 issues to be visible in the in the scene. I just literally I'm talking about that shot is just it's just it jumped out as just like this like it was like out of meatballs or something or porkies. <laughs> I'm like what. Could this be a little subtler, maybe? Like everything else is unbelievably subtle in this film. Right. This, 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 we're in a strip club. Woohoo! It was like, yeah. Let's, let's okay. back up a little bit. I can, this could be in the background or right. set up. Yeah. I don't know. I get it. I get it. Look, yeah. I love the movie. I got one complaint. Please <laughs> give me a break. Um, so, uh, but that's a really good point. I mean, that's really good. I think it's, that, that's brilliant. I bet. It's in the book. It's probably set there in, a, in the book. It would make literary sense if that was the case. Well, that Penny Davis um, is a very smart lady. 
I certainly sounds like it. That was a smart comment. Yeah. Um, I also speaking of uh, Russia House, I'm wondering if the, if the using the mm. uh, chicken marsala solos <laughs> was a reference to to the uh, the alto sax in this movie because a lot of the score is alto saxophone in in um, oh interesting Spio came in from the cold could have been could have been I'm gonna say it is and was yeah say that it is that's what it is um pretty some pretty great hard hitting moments of dialogue and intensity where he I think where he like uh, I mean that that near the end that speech in the car is pretty heavy. You know, that's that's a pretty he breaks it down in a pretty yeah pretty heavy way. That's that's an amazing speech. Um uh, and also, you know, the speech where he, you know, is kind of shutting her down about communism and saying, like, you know, you know, that path isn't it's like as if that path's not strewn with a couple of million bodies, like you yeah. know, like yeah, really well phrased arguments about from both sides. Which echoed conversations that I had with Grandma B. Right. Yeah. That was yeah. <clears throat> normally <clears throat> over a bowl of borscht. Over a bowl of borscht, but talk, you know, somebody who didn't want to hear anything ever bad about Uncle Joe. You know, because Stalin was just, you know, a good guy. Yeah, sure. Did you did you actually have arguments with her? About I, not arguments, but I had I had some discussions with her okay. about, you know. So, wow. So, wow. I don't even want to go there. They were, they were all the way. Is yeah, that... I know. I know. Which, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, you just think that people be like, oh, now that we know, uh, not so great. Yeah, not great. Now that we, we know, you know. Can we give a shout out, though, to, um, somebody who I did not think was very good in this movie. And then by the end, I thought he was spectacular in this movie. Peter Van Eyck, who played Mund. He was, he was great. Yeah. At he was, first, I thought he's doing bad. He's doing bad German, bad guy acting. And then at the end, I thought this guy is spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. He was really well, he was really well cast at any rate. Yeah. I mean, it was perfect casting in it. It's full of fantastic faces and stuff. I mean, um, Cyril Cusack, as we said, and uh, the guy who plays, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, who is it? Rupert Hardy. Rupert Hardy's great in it. That happens in the uh, Capitals and Communism. It's the Innocent Source Slaughter. There you go. Yeah, it's a great line. Um, you know who wasn't in this movie who should have been? The guy from the space, the guy on the space station in two thousand and one. I wanted uh, his face in this movie. Oh, Rossiter, the Russian guy. Rossiter, yeah. yeah. He's actually an English actor, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's playing, a, he's playing the Russian uh, yeah. station. Yeah, guy. yeah. He's fantastic. He's in a lot of Kubrick movies. He's yeah. also in um, uh, Barry Lyndon. Such um, a great face he's got. Yeah, I don't know. I remember I, I saw this movie when I was about, I guess, sixteen, and uh, it really, it really haunted me. I mean, I was not expecting. I don't want to give away exactly what happens here at the end, but you're just not. 
you're kind of like up until the last minute of it, until it literally goes to credits. You're like, there's got this really, we're really been going here this whole time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievably grim. Oh my God. And you saw this movie after you'd gone over the wall. Again, I didn't go over any walls ever. <laughs> didn't. That never happened. I was invited. I had a passport. I was waved through a checkpoint. And I never went over a wall. <laughs> you don't like it when I say that. that I don't. I want it to be clear that there's. I didn't. I didn't do that. You went. You went. Okay. You didn't go over the wall, but you went behind the Iron Curtain. And you smuggled. Contraband. I smuggled. I did. I, I smuggled uh, illegal literature through. You know what? You know what? Let's let's actually if you want to go there, let's go there. Yeah. Yeah. You did. I went over the wall and I smuggled illegal contraband into East Germany, into East Berlin. Yeah. yeah. Into East Berlin. Yeah. Before the wall came down. Take that. Yeah. Oh, for, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it before the wall. Practically new. I mean, it was a it was a heavy duty <laughs> wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah no that's what i did yeah you're lucky you didn't get shot for bringing a copy of what was the magic school bus or something like that it was uh it was just some paperwork on uh some you know some stuff i was working on nothing important we don't have to talk about what it was <laughs> okay um <laughs> Yeah. Well, Good you know, time. I mean, those were amazing times. You were in you were also in Berlin. You didn't get to go to East Berlin. But I, we, they didn't let me over the wall. Um I tunneled under. They were like, I, you already I, live you over the wall. You don't need to <laughs> yeah. come. Yeah. But I did almost get arrested in a laundromat. So for spilling for spilling detergent. Oh, they don't <laughs> like you to make mistakes in Berlin. They don't don't, uh, they didn't like don't drop something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um that was an amazing time. That was an yeah. amazing time. You know what, what What we should do? We haven't talked about ever covering one of Pop's movies on the show, but maybe one of these days we would, potentially. What do you, do you think, maybe? I, I think if this if there was a map, there would be a thing saying, here there be dragons. Well, let's go <laughs> right into the heart of Dragon Town then and Dragon watch Town. The Magician of Loveland someday. Oh my, okay, because we could. And it's a movie I have never seen. I've I think I saw it as a child, which is not legal actually for a child to see that film. <laughs> okay. Um I've no, never it seen would be that amazing movie. to see it. And also, you know, let's be honest, we we're part of that movie. We risked our we you and I both risked our lives to help make that film come come to be. <laughs> risked our lives. We were we were hanging out on a on a Canon film group set. That's we were hanging out on a movie set, a movie directed by Menachem Galan. That is the most dangerous place that you could be. And um, I don't think it's available anywhere. I'm looking right now; it's not available. No, it's a, it's available somewhere. It's been banned. <laughs> no, it's you, we can find it. All right. Okay. I'm not saying we do it next week. I'm just saying one day maybe we do it. Yeah. Of course, we didn't get anybody writing in saying that's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. But, no. you know, as everybody I wants say, to say that I made a mistake, but you know, they you don't want to say I had a good idea. director on that movie. You have a lot of complaints about him, but I've always said, don't Menachem until you've tried him. Hey, um, how many, how many Galan movies have you seen? 
Have you seen the apple? I haven't seen the apple. You should see the apple, and then we'll talk. Is that is that the uh, is that his best movie? The Galan is that Not the Golan bad. Heights? Um, I'm so, I'm sorry. We don't actually get to have a conversation. I just set up your puns. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness gracious me! Um, well. I think we I think our next film should be a canon film group film regardless. So it could be Robocop or it could be the Apple or it could be something else. But Robocop is is that's a canon group movie, Robocop? Mm-hmm. They made some good movies. They actually did. Wow. By accident. The magician of Lublin not being one of them. Maybe it's good. Have you seen it? Uh, it's true. I haven't seen it. Maybe there's it's a, a great movie. There's a chimpanzee in it. Shelly Winters is in it, right? Shelly Winters is in it with a chimpanzee. How how bad can it be? <laughs> if you think about Shelley it. Shelly Winters and um, who else is in that movie? Oh, um, Nurse Ratchet. Lisa Welchel is in it. Louise Fletcher. I Louise have said Fletcher, Lisa, Lisa Welchel. Fletcher. The great Louise Fletcher is actually a great actor. She's in it. A chimpanzee. <laughs> chimpanzee i'm in it valerie perrine lou jacoby that's right lou jacoby's in it and i'm sure maya, he had fun in berlin yep and maya danziger um and me i'm in it and you yeah i nearly got killed making that film really yeah i played a oh, news i played a i played a newsboy and i was all dressed up like in old you know orthodox gear um uh i had the pass and the ever the whole thing and i was running around with newspapers trying to sell newspapers and um i was almost run over by a team of horses in a carriage <laughs> like wow. literally yeah yeah wow a lot of people almost died making that movie for real like that was a dangerous place to be wow and you don't want to cover that film. I will cover that movie. If we can find it, I will cover it with you. Or we I, could watch The 7% Solution. I'll just remember being uh, walking around Berlin with Sheldon Patinkin, which mm -hmm. was a pretty mind-bending experience. Leave it to our luck to get to spend months in Berlin as teen, like kids who couldn't go to a club or have any fun. Yes. I've heard since, of course, that Berlin is the coolest town that's ever existed. Well, I was 18, so I could go. I went to some of those places with Sheldon a couple of times. All and right. that's, not the, no, but that's not the way to go to them with Sheldon. With Sheldon? No. Well, at least you went. I didn't, I didn't get to do any. You and Adam had all the fun on location. Let's face it. It's true. It's true. Yeah. By the time I was on location, it was all just, you know. Paul Apprentice on the raft in Catch-22. Yeah. I don't think it would have meant a lot to you at two years old, however. I was on that set. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Um, all right. Are you amazed I... yet? Or has this been entrancing for everybody? <laughs> <laughs> i think we've done this movie okay i i i have nothing but respect for it i think it's great i think yeah. it's i think no. it's one of the best spy movies i've ever seen i, will um, I think richard burton again. richard burton is you know i think he i think if 
if you never understood why he was a big star watch this one and i think this this shows you how and why he i mean and this is like brando level screen work to me like i just think he's amazing it's pretty great i loved it and i will watch it again um and next week also i may report on the uh smoked muscles in the ramen well let me know if it go if it's uh, if it dissipates too much and then i'm not in the hospital it went okay so we're gonna do robocop let's uh is robocop available i it is at my house <laughs> oh you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna pull that one robocop is or we could see the ro the remake of it the one from like 2005 or something oh yeah who was in that i don't know i didn't see it robocop then and now 2000 yeah uh no we can't watch something that new can we no okay let's watch um okay let's watch uh i mean you know it's it's getting into halloween season do you do you want to watch uh, something halloween uh, themed some horror yeah, movies this month let's watch some halloween let's do a halloween we'll do a halloween uh, run we'll do a yeah. halloween i mean why not it's the season yeah it's the so, season for it so pick a good halloween movie let's watch christine okay christine next week is christine with with the the wonderful jonathan travolta uh Jonathan Travolta isn't Christine. I don't know if that's true. Is he? Let's I look that up. No, isn't he? Well, he's in um other films, <laughs> but I uh you know, it's Keith you Gordon. You know what? I'm wrong. Yeah, he's you're not. wrong. He's not in it. But Harry Dean Stanton is. Harry Dean Stanton. <clears throat> so yeah, we'll have this is the, a uh, this is a John Carpenter classic. I haven't seen it in ages. Robert really Prosky, the great yeah. Robert Prosky, isn't it? Uh, it's supposed to be quite good. I remember liking it a lot. Um, Robert Robert's Blossom is in it. Robert's Blossom. Okay, this is going to be good. And David Spielberg. Uh, David Spielberg. Yep. That, that's excellent. Okay. Christine. Yeah, Christine. Next week, Christine. Looking forward to it. Um, all right. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Please uh, join us uh, next week for more um, amazing yes. stuff. And thank you, everybody, for uh, for talking to us during the show. It's, it's, it's great when we get people interacting with us it always yeah. makes me feel good because sometimes it feels like we're just screaming like into like that we're alone on a satellite we're going around <laughs> jupiter it feels like the end and the transmission like silent running <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah open the pod bay doors hal hal yeah. hey are you there hal oh boy <laughs> yeah all right good night everybody good night You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.